podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Brutal Nation, a podcast series dedicated to lesser-known serial killers and acts of true crime. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one, the only, the very, very terrifying, Tammy Underwood. Say hi, Tam. Hi, everybody. Why do I got to be terrifying today? I'm running out of things to say whenever I introduce you. I've used fabulous, I've used looking very dapper, um... But I'm always fabulous. Okay. <laughs> I admire your confidence. Even when I wake up and I have the bushy hair of a stranger. I'm fabulous. <laughs> There's a stranger in Remember my house. Remember that picture I sent you this last week? It was like, dude. That was actually terrifying. It terrified like, me. This is like a bush, bush bitch here. That's yeah, fucking, it terrified me. Sometimes my hair terrifies that's me. That's like National Geographic shit going yeah, on. Yeah, especially in this kind of weather when it's kind of muggy. Oh, my God. My hair's horrible. So, today's a special day. We're getting to the last part of my series. And I bet you're happy because now you can try to reclaim the, the Fridays. I'd like to at least get one in there. So, the last one to serve up is William George Bonin, a.k.a. the, the Freeway Killer. All right, so let's recap, okay? He didn't have another name besides the Freeway Killer? That was it. That's the only one That's I could find. That's the only one he had, huh? That's the only moniker that he had. Wow. sick bastard. This is the third poser. <laughs> That's right. This is the third serial killer in this series. Yes, he was also known as the Freeway Killer. Let's recap. Let's do it. At the same time that Patrick Kearney and Randy Kraft were killing in, Los, in the Los Angeles area, William Bonin... And I say Bonin, or say Bonin, and then you say Bonin. So I'll go with Bonin and Bonin, and maybe he's Bonin the Bonin. I don't know. Anyway, he was hard at work to rack up the total body count. All three were called the, Siri, the freeway killer because although they didn't know each other, they all were disposing of their victims in a similar way by throwing their bodies or parts along, freeways of, uh, along the side of the freeways of Southern California. The victim profiles were also the same as Kraft and Kearney as well. At the time, the police, as well as the media, thought that they were dealing with only one sick and twisted killer, when in fact, they were dealing with three. Three. I really got to get more sound effects and start editing that stuff out and be creative, but yeah, I digress. You know, we're creative in our own minds. I am. I mean, I tell myself jokes and laugh all the time. (laughs) <laughs> You're the only one that laughs at your jokes, but okay. I'm hilarious. William Bonin was born January 8th, 1947, to Robert Bonin and Alice Benton in Willimac, Connecticut. Oh, Connecticut. Yeah, he's an East Coaster. East Coaster. Is, is he a Nor'easter? He, he sees the Nor'easters coming. Did he get in his car? <laughs> That's my right. West? And found his cockies. <laughs> He was the middle child with two brothers. It's said that his parents were both alcoholics and that William and his brothers were often fed and clothed by sympathetic neighbors. It's also, it's also said that along with his neglected home, William and his three brothers, and this, it says three because it said three laters, later okay. on. I don't know why, but yeah, we'll go with two. I guess all three of them were often put in the care of their grandfather. 
He was a convicted child molester. Uh oh. Um, I read that he had molested William's mother and, uh, when she was a child and as a teenager, and also molested William and his brothers while in his care. So, wow. Adding my thoughts already. Already, William Bonin was off to a bad start. As I'm researching this case, it's starting to remind me a lot of Carl Pensram's case in a few ways. In a few. He's already being neglected and victimized at an early age. Yeah. But is that where the similarity stops, Scott? Yeah, pretty much. I was going to say, let's call it, let's be honest. Yeah, let's, let's call it spade a spade here, right? In 1953, William's mother put him, put him and, his bro- and his brothers in an orphanage. <laughs> this, is her, this was her attempt to try to protect her sons from her father's abusive nature. The orphanage would turn out to be just as bad, if not worse, than that of which uh, they would endure at the hands of their, of their grandfather. The kids at the orphanage would have to endure beatings uh, for any infraction. Okay. Being forced to hold stressful poses for long periods as well as partial drownings in sinks full of water. Wow. Even though William Bonin spoke freely about his childhood, he refused to talk about the orphanage much outside of the punishments that he had endured uh, and to say that he would accept the sexual advances of older men if they agreed to tie his hands behind his back first. William did this? Yeah, that was his statement. Wow, dude. So unlike Panzram, Bonin seems to have accepted the, uh, his, the sexual abuse. Yeah. I think that it's because of his time living with his grandfather. Maybe he thought that accepting it was better than fighting it. Maybe. The tying of the hands behind the back might have been a way for him to think or accept that he had no control over the sexual abuse that he was going through. That's my personal thought. When William was 10 years old, he was arrested for stealing and placed in juvenile hall for stealing as well as other various small crimes. While, there was, while, there was sexual, while he was sexually assaulted by several people as well as his adult counselors. Okay. Oh, while there. That's what I put. The reading is hard. Reading is hard for you. I understand. No kidding. Hooked on phonics. That's some shit. Four years later, faced with a foreclosure of their home, the Bonin family relocated to a house on Angel Street in Downey, California. A short time later, William's father died of cirrhosis of the liver. Now, I'm very familiar with Downey because I lived uh, just right next door to Downey. We, uh, we lived in La Mirada, which isn't too far away, Nor- uh, Norwalk for a little while, uh, Buena Park. That sets- so Downey's L.A. County. Right. And uh, La Mirada through Buena Park is Orange County. Okay. But they're pretty close. Like from our house in, I've seen a girl named Jennifer who lived in Downey. And from La Mirada to her house was 15, 20 minutes. See, and I, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not familiar with that area. I always thought Orange County was LA. That's all I'm saying. No, no. Big, big, big difference. Uh, To get from Downey to Los Angeles itself, like the downtown area, with no traffic is at least half hour, 45 oh, minutes, okay. if not an hour. It's, it's a bit. L.A. County's huge. All right. Gotcha. 
So, personal thoughts. I'm not exactly sure where Angel Street is, but I've, uh, I've been all through the city of Downey. I've had a few friends that have lived there as well as growing up as a teenager. Right. While living in Downey, he was known to have molested his younger brothers, as well as oh, several wow. other younger kids that lived nearby. He would lure them to his home with promises of alcohol. William was also known to have committed grand theft, petty theft, and, and burglary when he was just a teen. Shortly after he graduated high school, so at least he graduated, right? Um, he got engaged to a girl named Susan. His mother was against him marrying because she knew that he was gay. And from what I could tell, she told him so. She said, hey, look, you like dudes, you don't like guys. Don't marry this broad. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. So kudos to mom. Yeah. So then William went off to the Air Force. And he did five months in Vietnam uh, as an uh, aerial gunner. He logged over 700 hours of combat and patrol time as well. Wow. It's there that he learned that human life was overvalued. That was what William had said uh, when, after he was caught, by the way. Right. So let's recap so far. Bonin has been molested, neglected by his parents, abused mentally, and now he feels that life is overvalued. Is it any wonder that he made the choices that he did? With yeah. all that said, William Bonin uh, did have some good points. On one occasion, he risked his own life under enemy fire <clears throat> to save a fellow airman. He was recognized for his bravery. Uh, he did admit to having sex with both men and women while he was in Vietnam, as well as raping some of his fellow airmen at gunpoint as well. So, you know, good, bad, the ugly. Indifferent, yeah. Uh-huh. After serving three years in, uh, through, in 1968, uh, he left the Air Force uh, with an honorable discharge and returned to his home in Downey, California to live with his mom. Right. Although he did get married, from what I could read, it was very short-lived. Yes, I know I said that he was done. He's done some good. But there was also bad during the same time period. The raping of your fellow airmen and all. Yeah. I can't deem that as good, right? No, you cannot. Not at all. In November of 1968, William Bonham was 21 years old and fresh out of the Air Force. He committed a sexual assault against a young... When he committed a sexual assault against a young boy. He would then go on to commit three more assaults on young boys and other youths over the next four months. In each case, Bonham would bound his victims and sodomized them as well as uh, forced them to, uh, well, let's say oral copulations. Basically, he made them, uh, you know, give them a, a, a blowjob. You know, if you don't know what oral copulation means. His other methods of torture included bludgeoning his victims as well as squeezing their testicles. As you can tell, unlike Pensram, William Bonham did not do what he did out of any kind of act of catharsis. He, he did it for control and cruelty. That is at least what I think. Yeah. In 1969, he was arrested for trying to lure a 16-year-old boy into his car. He was charged with five counts of kidnapping, four counts of sodomy, 
one count of oral copulation and one count of child molestation against five kids that he had, he had abducted. And a partridge in a pear tree. I, I was going to say, that. are you going to like stop this list anytime soon? On the third, I'm like falling asleep over here. No, on the third day of molestation, no, gave to no, me. no, no, two bludgeonings, hey, you're done. one sodomy. Scott, what? You're done. Okay, fine. And tying up a boy in a teepee. Is that better? Yeah. Okay. He was sentenced to uh, a Tescadero State Mental Hospital in California. Why was at the mental hospital? He was given a Wait, battery. wait, wait. Pinky Tescadero? Oh, Jesus Christ. No, you smart ass. Okay. So, anywho. <laughs> now you know how I feel. Don't do me. I only do me. Fucked hard. That's, that's what I've heard. <laughs> you make me extremely sad. I'm just saying. So anyway, why was there? He's given a battery of tests to determine, uh, and they had determined that he had an above-average IQ of 121. So not what we've seen in some of our geniuses like Kearney, but still above average. Yeah, it's above average. Yeah, slightly. Yeah. Um, it also showed that he suffered from manic depression and had damage to his prefrontal cortex of his brain. That kind of damage would make it difficult to restrain yourself from acting out his violent thoughts and desires. His physical exam showed several scars on his body that were probably caused from his time in juvenile detention centers in Connecticut. Now, do they say where he probably got the frontal cortex damage from, though? No, they didn't. It could have been from Vietnam. Maybe he was wearing his brain bucket and something ricocheted off it and fucked up his brain. I was going to say, could have been from there, or was it from the abuse he suffered from his grandpa? Or uh, Yeah, no, I, I couldn't find anything as of yet, but I'm not okay. even done writing this. I'm just giving episode I know one of Bonin. Because there is so... like I thought that there was a lot of information on like uh, uh, um, craft. Right. <laughs> It, it Billy amazed me. I'm like, but wait, there's more, and there's more, and there's fucking more. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I mean, I'm, a, I'm working on one of those right now myself. So peep this, yo. I love it when you give me that look when I try to speak all gangster because I'm far from it. When I roll my fucking eyes because you're <laughs> totally white-breading that. Because I'm rolling down the street, yo, you know, straight up pimping. <laughs> I love that look of disgust. You could never be pimping. Two years after he arrived at the state mental hospital, he was sent back to prison. It was reported that Bonin wouldn't stop sexually assaulting the other male patients there. On January 11th of 1974, he was released after being declared safe to return to society by one of the mental health professionals. Safe by who? Yeah, yeah well, keep it in mind, it's the 70s, and we've seen this very consistently with any of our serial killers that were in a mental uh, uh, hospital or seeking mental health. You know, after a while, they go, you know what? Fuck it. Get out of here. You're fine. Just don't do it again. We're just, we're done with your shit. Yeah. So check this out. Beep this show. About three months later, in September of 74, Bonham met a 14-year-old boy named David Allen McVicker, who was hitchhiking from Garden Grove, California. That's in Orange County. Uh, to his parents' home in Long Beach, California, which is L.A. County. Just trying to keep it all straight here. William Bonham picked him up and said that he would take him where he needs to go. Shortly after David got in the car, Bonham asked him if he was gay. 
David quickly uh, said, stop the car and let me out, you fruity bastard. He didn't say fruity bastard. I just interjected that. Thank you. That's when Bonham pulled out a gun and drove him uh, to a vacant field. It was there that Bonham told him to take his clothes off. Bonham then began to beat and sexually assault him. After beating and assaulting him, Bonham tried to strangle him with his own T-shirt. David McVicker started to scream, and that's when Bonham became apologetic, so started to apologize to him. The really sick part is that Bonham then drove McVicker home and casually stated, we'll meet again. Imagine how terrifying that is. That's scary as fuck. No shit. You've now been beaten, sexually assaulted. The dude's driving you home going, we'll meet again. Oh, my God. So interjecting my own personal thoughts here. After reading and researching this far, I'm left with, with, with the feeling. Oh, I'm left with the what the fuck feeling. What, what the what? Yeah, what the fuck. I mean, we researched Carol Cole, for example, and he tried to get help. He begged for help and couldn't get any. Bonham was already in a mental hospital where, where he kept trying to sexually assault other male patients and was sent back to prison because he wouldn't stop trying to assault others, and yet they deemed him fit to return to society. Yeah, that's kind of disturbing. Very so, David McVicker immediately told his mom, and she got a hold of the Garden Grove Police Department. <clears throat> and Bonin was once again charged with rape and oral copulation of a minor. He was also charged with the attempted abduction of a minor. The attempted abduction was two days after he raped McVicker, McVicker so it was a new victim. Oh, Wow. In the second case, he had offered a 15-year-old boy 35 bucks for sex. Wow, we could buy white people for 35 bucks? That's amazing. Inflation, it's gone up. I can't buy white chicks anymore. You cannot. Uh, Thank God. He was turned down, and Bonin tried to hit the boy with a car. Bonin pled guilty to the charges and was sentenced to serve between 1 and 15 years in prison. Uh, he... He did his time at San Luis Obispo. That's, I believe, out on the coast. And he was released on October 11th of 1978 with 18 months of probation. Does anyone else see a pattern here? He was caught once, kept trying to rape other men <coughs> at the Nut Hut, uh, gets out, almost immediately starts up again, then he gets busted again. He wasn't even out of prison for a year. Yeah. Wasn't it, like, only a few months? Yeah, just a few months. He yeah. literally, he walked out the door and damn near started up again. Again, yeah. That old saying, a leopard doesn't uh, change his I use spots. that saying often. Yeah, and you used it on the last episode. That's this dude here. This leopard yeah. here did not change his spot. Not in the least. <clears throat> this next part I'm calling while I'm singing. Have a little help for my friends. I love that look. <laughs> Isn't it, I get high with a little help from my friends. That's one of the uh, one of the verses. Oh, okay. After Bonin got out of prison, he moved into an apartment that was about a mile away from his mama in Downey. He also got a job as a delivery driver at a company in Montebello, California, L.A. area, pretty close to Downey, pretty close. 
He was known by teenagers around there as a gregarious person who, who would let them hang out at his house and would often buy them booze. He dated women and had told some of them that on the weekends he liked to go out with one of his girlfriends to Anaheim to roller skate with her. Anaheim is in Orange County and the home of Disneyland. Just want to point that out to everybody. So if you think Disneyland, that's Anaheim, California. And the, uh, and the Angels, the Anaheim Angels baseball team. I only know that because I watched that World Series that they won. <laughs> Shortly after he moved into his apartment, he met, he met 43-year-old Everett Fraser. How old? 43. Oh, okay. Fraser would throw parties and Bonin would regularly, regularly attend them. It was there that he met 21-year-old Vernon Butts. I know. I laugh, too. And 18-year-old Gregory Miley. Butts worked as, at a porcelain factory and was also a part-time magician. Ta-da! I knew you were going to go there. I had to. Watch me as I pull a wiener out of my hat. He was said to be both terrified and fascinated with Bonham. Miley supported himself with casual work and had an IQ of around 56. Oh, well, there you go. The so Otis I and beat Jewel. our Beavis and Butthead killer. You did. Killer. That's I'm, right. I'm kind of mad right That's now. That's from what I read. He's a Texas native. Miley was illiterate. At first, I thought to myself, were the victims of Bonham given their ages? But at first, I thought to myself, they were. Oh, okay. Sorry. So the first one I'm reading about these two, I thought they were uh, victims of Bonin given their ages, but I was deadly wrong. They both teamed up with Bonin to help him kill victims. While Butts was scared of Bonin, Bonin he enjoyed watching Bonin torture and kill victims. I think that Miley was just along for the ride. Having a low IQ, I can see him as a follower and certainly not a leader. Like two lemmings falling off a cliff, they followed along. Yeah. Bonin had a certain victim type, much like Kearney and Kraft. He selected school type boys, you know, and uh, I will say for Kearney, his went into the, he wasn't after teenagers, he was more into 20s gay men, but still relatively young. Right. Um, Just pointing that out, because I don't want to say anything bad about my buddy Kearney, because I like him. Hitchhiking teen boys and hookers between the ages of 13 and 19. So very similar, not right. exactly like. He would lure them into his 40 Econo line bed because you know you have to have a 40 Econo line bed. Yeah, a panel I have some bag. pictures of it, but yeah. Overpower them, then bind them with handcuffs, cords, and or wire. That's where he raped and beat them before strangling them with their own t-shirts or being stabbed to death. Although wow. his victims were either beaten or stabbed to death, one victim, Daryl Kendrick, was forced to drink hydrofluoric acid. Let that sink in. Just That's, isn't, that, isn't that battery acid? Yeah, it's pretty much battery acid, yeah. Yeah, when you said it, I was like, wait a minute, that's battery acid. Oh, but I'm about ready to Billy Meiji. Ready Don't for this? Don't do it. This is going to be gross. But, Three okay. other of his victims had ice picks forced into their ears, and one victim. Oh, my God. This is why you asked that. They asked Kearney this. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Because, they're, they're, like I said, at the time, they thought that this was one serial killer. Kearney turns himself in. They go, oh, hey, we fucking found him. He's right here. And then, like, oh, no. <laughs> Look, 
They need to reiterate that. <laughs> they didn't find shit. He found them. Exactly. Exactly. The detectives on that failed. Yeah. You know? So, um, one of his victims, which is, like I said, Mark Shelton, actually just died of shock. Oh, wow. I believe it. And here it is. The final requirement to be a child molester. A panel van. This is my own thought. It's always a panel van when, when they're after kids always. with very few exceptions. Kraft had a Ford Mustang. This is true. And you know what? The people who described his car actually got it right on that one. Well, this is Kraft had such a unique Mustang. It wasn't just all blue like a, like a regular blue one or red or whatever. His had the racing stripes. And right. It was very unique. So you basically look at it. I think it was like bright yellow or something. I can't remember, but it was it was something that was very unique where people were, no, that's the motherfucking car right there. Yeah, you, like yeah, you said it had black and white something on it, it was, I think. Is that what I said? I can't remember. I think. I think. Don't get me don't quote me. Shit. I've been elbow deep inside William Bonin. No pun intended. <laughs> to help ensure his victims wouldn't escape, Bonin removed the handles and window rollers from inside of his van. Well duh, that's kind of a common thing. I and I will say at least he thought ahead of this on this, right? Yeah. <clears throat> he also stored ropes, restraints, knives, and other things to help restrain, torture, and kill his victims in the van. Okay. He usually killed his victims in his van and disposed of the bodies along various freeways in Southern California, much like Kraft and, and Kearney. Kearney. Yeah. That's why the cops thought that they were dealing with one killer, which still amazes me. And I'll tell you why, because the ha- I, with all the research that we've done, I personally have never come across a serial killer that is acting and disposing of bodies exactly like these other serial killers. So the bodies are easily found without knowing the other killers. Yeah, exactly. That's freaking amazing. That is just like, that's like, um, Ripley's believe it or not shit. It is. So Bonin had four accomplices in all Vernon Butts, Gregory Miley, James Monroe and William Paw. So we're going to get to James Monroe here in just a couple of minutes. Or it might be on the next episode. I don't know. But wait, there's more. When the district attorney presented his case, he compared Bonin to a drug addict who needed a larger and larger dose to get the same high. Bonin would later tell psychologists <clears throat> that he felt a great sense of excitement when he hunted his victims. And I believe that this is a true statement. I think it is, too. Yeah. Uh, this, that's very evident in the progression in, uh, that, that Bonin went through. Because serial killers generally progress. Well, and not only that, is you often hear some serial killers later say that a lot of the thrill wasn't the killing. It was the hunt. Exactly. You know? Exactly. All right. The beginning of a murder spree. Dun, 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 dun. The first murder that Bonin was charged with was that of Thomas Glenn Lundgren. Glenn had left his parents' house in Reseda at around 10.30 in the morning on May 28th of 79. He was 13 years old, and his body would later be found in Agora, California, wearing only a t-shirt, shoes, and socks that same afternoon. And I can't tell you where these two places are because I've heard of both those places, but I think Reseda is in L.A. And I think Agora is too, actually. 
The autopsy would reveal that emasculation and bludgeoning to the head and face were present. So We've already talked about emasculation with Kraft. Right. So, once again, very similar. Very. Okay. And we got a bludgeoning on top of that. Yeah. So That's rage. That's a very rage-induced, yeah. Along with that, he had several fractures to his skull. His throat was slashed, several stab wounds, and that was when he was strangled to death. So he went through all of that and didn't die. And still got strangled to death. Oh, my dear Lord. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. Jaws. In a field close to where they found his body, the police found his jeans with several, uh, with severed genitals as well. Oh, my goodness. In this murder, he was helped out by butts. Not his own butt. I got that. It's accomplished. Okay. Thank you. Uh, who's also suspected to have helped him out with eight more killings that are attributed to our freeway killer. This one. This freeway killer, not our other two freeway killers. Okay. It, it amazes me that he had so many accomplices, though, and those accomplices are still alive. It doesn't me. Really? And let me, let me explain why. Okay. So... We tend to seek out people of similar interests. We do. Okay. In Bonin's case, I think that he sought out people that were definitely younger, but also maybe not as smart as he was. I should say of lesser intelligence, yeah. You have leaders and followers. True. He's leading them. These other ones are just following along because everybody wants to be accepted into something. But wouldn't he be afraid that they would turn him in eventually? Mm, like if they know. got caught, they would finger him. <laughs> maybe that's why... I, you uh, notice I pointed at you as soon as I said the words. Maybe that's why he didn't kill him. <laughs> they all got fingered. In mid-1979, <laughs> I'm still laughing at myself, Bonham was once again arrested. He molested a 17-year-old boy in Dana Point, California. That's on the coast. I think that's towards San Bernardino County, if I remember right. Um, this would be a conviction that would violate his parole and could put him away for a long time. But due to an administration error prior to his court date, he was released. Of course he was. Yeah. His buddy, Frazier, picked him up from the Orange County Jail. So I guess that's the OC uh, where, where he's being held. Frazier would later remember Bonin saying, no one will ever testify again. This will never happen again. Frazier took this as a sign of remorse as he drove Bonin home. <laughs> yeah. So, no, no, you, you see what I see, uh, what I was saying about lower IQ? Uh, yeah. I guess he feels sorry for him. It's not like he's going to, like, oh, I don't know, kill somebody. Yeah. So, two months after the murder of Lundgren, Bonin was once again hunting for a victim. We're going to get back to somebody I've already mentioned. A 17-year-old boy named Mark Shelton would be added to his list of sick murders. Mark was abducted shortly after leaving his home in Westminster to go see a movie. Shelton's neighbors heard his screams. Heard his screams. Um, he had been violated with foreign objects, including a pool cue. Wow. This proved fatal for young Shelton. His body went into shock and he died. 
His body was found alongside a freeway in San Bernardino County. So that's his victim that went into shock that he got. Right. Yeah. And that's all we have for this episode right here. <laughs> you like looked at me, looked down, and then you looked at me and they go, we're done. <laughs> well, uh, and, and here's why. Actually, I had a whole hell of a lot written. And I don't know what I did wrong, but I lost a whole hell of a lot. So, my fault. So, it's only a half hour episode. So, next week, we're going to hopefully conclude William George Bonin, a.k.a. the Freeway Killer number three. So Technically number one, because he's, he's the only one listed as just the Freeway Killer, but he's the third one in our series. The, but he still had that moniker. Of I know, the I'm just killer. saying he's the only one with the Freeway Killer, so he's technically number one. You know, because the other ones we figured out were somebody else, you know. But they all dispose of their bodies yeah. in every way. So that's why they all still share yeah. that moniker. All righty. So, do you have any questions yet? I have a shit ton of shit ton of questions, but I'm Shoot waiting. Shoot No, because I think I need to wait because I think you're going to answer them. I'm waiting. Well, no, ask me them anyway because you never know. Okay. So, let's see. How many accomplices did he have? Four. In total. In total. Right. We've only talked about two so far, right? Uh, But I've named all four. You have named all four, but we've only talked about two so far. Correct. And they were all younger than him, lesser intelligence than him. Correct. So they were ones he could control. Exactly. Now, are they the ones, is he the one that actually did the killing? Or did he have them, like, do that as well? That I'm going to discuss in the next one. And as a matter of fact, uh, James Monroe actually wrote a book. You went totally blank. And it's not well. No, you've told me about it. Okay, it's not well written. No. But it it sheds light on a lot of things. And I'm still reading that. No, because you told me about that. I mean, I wasn't looking blank. I was just looking at you like, okay, you told me about that. But I was wondering where the answer was leading. Yeah, Yeah, and it answers a lot of things. Again, part of the book... Um, it talks about one killing, uh, the, the first one that Monroe was involved in, they pick up this kid and they go back to Bonin's house and Bonin's in the back and this kid was, was gay. Okay. And they're, they're fucking. And, uh, then he tells him, Hey, I know a guy who will pay you 200 bucks if you let him tie, tie you up. And the kid's all, hell yeah, that can be fun. And long story short, Mon- Monroe comes in with him and held down this kid's legs while Bonin strangled him to death. Oh, wow. So it's, I believe that all four of them were active participants at, okay. at some junction or another. Okay. Wow. Yeah, pretty intense shit, huh? It is very, very intense shit. I mean, it's, and you know what the sad part is? As we're getting more and more into these, we're not shocked by a lot of shit anymore. No, nothing shocks me. But then, this is shocking to me. Kind of. Well, didn't it shock you when you were first reading it? Not really. Oh. I mean, it was. it's interesting to read about. Yeah. But we deal with these six sons of bitches every fucking day we when do. we research, you know? We do. And like I said in one of our episodes, we have to learn to compartmentalize, to separate it from our daily lives. Right. And when, when I'm thinking yeah, about this. Yeah, because this could really fuck somebody up. Well, when Just I, the research. 
to, to be honest, if you, if you think about our earlier episodes, whenever it came to the kid things, man, I got all teary-eyed because of, of how I feel. I, granted, I do hate kids, but I don't think that any of them should be brutalized, raped, right. stabbed, and things like that. I'm just, kids aren't for me. Um, but uh, now it's come to the point that I'm reading about these, and I'm just more like impassive, you know, just, yeah. Yeah, because we've, compart- we've learned to compartmentalize that. Yeah. But there are still some that get to us. Right, right. Um, you know, like I'm being affected really, like, because I featured part one this week of the doodler strip. Oh, killing. yeah. And that one's really affecting me on a different level, too. Oh, okay. You know, because I see something that really saddens me. Well, it is. That, well, that's because, you know, it's a, it's a whole minority group uh, being yeah. the gay community in a place that they should feel safe, which was San Francisco in the 70s. And all of a sudden, they're not safe anymore. Yeah. And nobody gives a shit. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Thankfully, with three killers working at the same time, and then kids winding up the same way and being disposed of the same way. Right. The kid p- thing is what I think is... Like, what brought a focus to these guys? Oh, hell yeah. Because mm-hmm. you, you have to think in the media, okay? Um, let's say that, because we were talking about the homeless problem here in the mm-hmm. Portland metro area. Let's say that, uh, I don't know, five homeless right in a row get killed five days a week. Okay, so five, five of them, five days a week. So a total of 20. The media is just going to maybe give a little blurb like, hey, somebody's hunting down homeless people. So if you're homeless, get the fuck out. Right. Have one kid get murdered and right. then his body is dumped. That is major news news coverage. Oh yeah, because people the the the, the media function functions on shock, but compassion as well. Not that they're compassionate because they don't give a shit. Right. But they want everybody else to go. Oh my god, that's terrible. It was a child. But how many people go? Oh my god, that's terrible. He was homeless. Right. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody gives a fuck about yeah. the homeless. Um, I do. Because they're people, but I also care because I really wish I didn't have to see garbage every fucking day. But, um, but when it comes to kids, a lot of people are like you and I. You know, you read about these kids getting brutalized. Yeah. You know, especially considering that, um, that Mark Shelton went into shock after having a fucking pool cue used on him. Do you think it was put on his arm? No. No. No, it wasn't. It, it, it's not like he was even beaten I, with him. He was sodomized with I a say, fucking Let's be pool honest. Cue. The pool cue itself was a phallical object. Very phallic. In, in yeah. the mind of the killer. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so he's having a pool cue rammed up his ass. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's a fucking kid. He was just on his way to see a fucking movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like kids normally do. When I was a teenager, I did that all the time. Every I mean, Friday and Saturday night. Yeah, well, I studied a lot and played a lot of music, <laughs> but uh, right. But you know, so did I. But I mean, Friday and Saturday nights, I could go hang with my friends. I didn't have to be home anymore. You know, right? You know, you, you go out and you watch a movie if it's by yourself with your friends or with a you know with, with a girlfriend or whatever. In my case, a boyfriend. In your case, or uh, I don't know, Harry Beast, whatever the fuck you date. Um, and uh, <laughs> I love that look of death. But. Um, it was. It's a typical teenage yeah. thing throughout the like the eighties when you and I were teenagers. Yeah. You know, into the nineties, a very typical teenager. We scooped thing. the loop, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> and think that a just, child, yeah, just doing what normal teenagers do. Yeah, the seventeen-year-old kid, Mark. There, you know, Mark Shelton. He walks out of his house and, hey, you know what? I'm gonna go check out this movie. Mm-hmm. And then you get abducted and you're sodomized, you're beaten, you're raped. Um, 
you know. Viciously. And it's not even the acts itself. It's in my head, the reason why it affects me is I think about the absolute terror and pain Mm -hmm. that these children had to endure. I couldn't imagine doing that as a, and doing that as an adult. Yeah, no. Much less teenage me, and I was a pretty tough fucking kid. I was gonna say, could you imagine even now at the age of what you're forty eight? I'm forty eight. I'd think, because you know, my mind, you're one hundred and two, but whatever. Four score and fifty years ago when I was born <laughs> on the wagon trail. Anyways, yeah, because you're forty eight right now. Could you imagine somebody holding you down and shoving a pill kill? Pull stick up your ass? No, I get nervous when I go see the doctor and I have to get the... The, the, the proctology pro- exam. Yeah. when and they that's do, when just they... two fingers, isn't it? That's one. Oh. <laughs> two fingers? What the hell? My butthole's not a whore. Okay? I don't know that. <laughs> and I don't know why the doctor always says, okay, try to relax. For that, it's going to be a little bit of pressure. You're going to feel a little pressure. Automatically, my brain does not relax and everything tenses up. If I had a chunk of coal and you put it in my butt, you'd have a diamond within an hour because there's a lot of pressure going on. And they're yeah. hold on, almost done. Dude, you got your, I'm not a Muppet. Pull your whole hand out of there because yeah. I think you left a Rolex. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's pretty bad when you look over your shoulder and go, more lube, more lube. <laughs> I'm not that For kind of girl. For the love of God, more lube. <laughs> oh, my God, man. So, yeah, you know, I, I can't imagine... You know, anything like that happening because, okay, when you're at the doctor as a dude and you're getting your prostate palpitated, um, you know, it's, it's a little traumatic. I mean, as an adult, you understand that it has to be done. Right, right. Because you want to prevent things like prostate cancer. Exactly. And, and you know, it, it, it's for good health. It's for good reason. I can't imagine being... Even an adult, if I was to be abducted today, thrown into a van, and viciously beaten and raped, mm-hmm. your body's going to naturally tense up. You're not going to be able to even relax. So that's a lot of force going up the old pooper with a pool cue. Yeah. Now, okay, so did he commit any of the murders on his own, or did he always have an accomplice with him? Yeah, he committed, uh, oh, maybe not one of the murders. I think he may have always had an accomplice. But I can't quite remember off the top of my head. Because like I said, I'm missing several of my notes. Because this is only nine pages of, uh, of my research. But, you know, I blow it up big so I can actually see it. <laughs> you do. I always minimize because... Well, you have to because I'm blind Not everybody shit. has to be fucking... Has to have a font of 25 to read it. It's only 16. And I'm looking at a seeing eye dog to read for me. Okay? <laughs> Service dog. Or an iguana with a bandana. <laughs> Thought I forgot about that, huh? I no, I knew you didn't. That's right, still haunts my fucking nightmares. You know, so um, or the unicorn goat. Oh my god, <laughs> yes, I need a unicorn goat. You know, because that—that's what I was curious about too—is if he actually committed any of the murders by himself, or if he had an accomplice for each one of them, because that would say something too. Right, right, right. Because um, that would go on to the whole needing somebody there to cheer you on. No, yeah, and I, and I believe that at least most of the murders were with an accomplice. Um, I haven't found anything that said he, he acted alone in any of them, but I'm... St- I'm I mean, I can see him acting alone in the, like, the 
molestation and you know what I mean? Oh yeah, the rape and molestation. Yeah, he's done that all along. Yeah, but I, I mean, mean, yeah, because but as far as the murders go, it's almost like it's the Lake and Ing that they have to have each other there to cheer some, you know, to like give them that, give them that, you know, power and control type thing. No, that makes sense. It makes you sense, know, and you know the confidence that it takes because it takes oh. a lot of confidence to kill somebody. Well, and activities are way more fun when you have a friend. Okay. <laughs> How'd you like that one? Am I lying? Okay. Well, I've Go never bowling. had sex with a friend in the room, but you know. Well, never mind. I have. So there you're you go. a whore. But go bowling. You right. can bowl by yourself, and it's okay. But isn't it more fun when you got like a... Oh, yeah, a group of people. Yeah. Yeah, You're sitting around, totally. you're drinking some beers, you're making fun of each other, because that's what me and my friends do. You're going, nice gutter ball dipshit. That's awesome. You need the bumpers like you're five? Is that what you need? <laughs> Dude, we do that as women, too. I, and and I, I am a horrible bowler. I am freaking I believe terrible. You. My brother Bobby is freaking amazing. Oh, yeah. Like, he wanted to be a pro bowler. Okay. And he's an amazing bowler. Me, I suck balls at it. Uh, if I you don't suck balls, only on Gay Tuesday, sweetheart. Stop it! Why does everybody think I'm gay? Jesus Christ! I'm offended. San Francisco, here I come. <laughs> um, but nowhere near Bonin. <laughs> Thank God I'm not a teenager. Anyways, um, <laughs> no shit, yo. Well, I make those jokes because sure I have a pool cue. You know, I know, right? Scott's ball, corner pocket, two cushion. <laughs> Don't scratch, don't scratch. Yeah, don't scratch, don't scratch. <laughs> Keep your eight ball away from your hole. We're horrible. That's terrible. I got to make light of this stuff because this is like... I, you know what? I, I think I need to too because I'm so disgusted right now. This whole... The fact that the kid died from shock alone, it means it has to tell you that it was that traumatic. Well, exactly, you know, and as I'm, as I'm chasing this, uh, these three killers down this fucking rabbit hole. And it is a rabbit hole. You know, it's really weird how they lined up because when I'm reading about Kearney and while he what he did was terrible, I go, hey, you know what? They didn't suffer. He shot him in the head. So, yeah, it's it's grotesque. Yeah. And it's brutal. And it's tragic. And it's tragic, but he wasn't torturing him. Not bad. I get on to craft and I go, ooh, god damn, dude, you're a sick motherfucker. Yeah. Then I get Socks on- and shit up the ass and down the throat. Right. And then I get into Bonin. And it's it, 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 it honestly, it's a progression. It was. I was gonna say because it, it was like okay, not you bad. Know, bad. Oh, dude, you're but sick not and like what? Bad. Yeah, and then I'm reading Bond and I'm going, what the flying fuck? Yeah, Jesus Christ! What are you trying to outdo the other two that you don't even know about? What the yeah. fuck is fundament fundamentally wrong well, with and then you? It makes you wonder too, though. Okay, because let's look at it this way. It makes you wonder too because they know who they're killing. They oh, yeah. know where they're dumping them. Now they're. You know that they got to be watching the news and seeing that other bodies are found somewhere else that they didn't dump them. They'll be like, "What the fuck?" That didn't even dawn on me, and I'm surprised that it didn't. But that might be a nice little rabbit hole to chase it down to see if Bonin was trying to really compete with them because the news is reporting these bodies showing exactly. up. Exactly. He's all, "Oh, wait a minute. Hey, hold my bear." Yeah, well, because you know what I mean? Because then they know it's like, wait a minute. they're Because I, mean, I think that even if they didn't know about each other, if they were watching the news, they knew that there was another one out there because of all the other victims that were showing up. Yeah, at least one. Yeah. At least one. And so it's like, so if it's being reported how some of these other victims are found, is, is that feeding off each other too? Knowing each other without knowing each other. Ooh. Yeah. I like that theory. I like that. You like that theory? That's... 
I'm, I, I gotta admit, like a competition I'm, without direct competition. I'm, I'm a little impressed I'm that I came of, up with that. Yeah, a little shut bit. up. And that I did that. Never, honestly, never even crossed my mind. See, I'm I shocked that it didn't cross your mind. That's why I was like, I was waiting wow. to say anything to see if you if you mentioned it later. I, wow, you, you won up me on this one. You win. On this one, yeah, I that never crossed, but I think that could be very accurate because you're listening to the news on the radio, you're watching TV, you're reading the newspaper, <laughs> and you're reading the paper. Because a lot of serial killers we have found follow their stories in the paper. Well, yeah, that's that's part of your kind of yeah, that's somebody part giving of the that thrill. pat on the back. Yeah, yeah, pat, hey, you did a good job. They still haven't found you. I'm surprised I didn't pick up on that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I, like I said, because they I know where they're that, yeah. they know who they're killing. They know where they're dumping <laughs> them. Now, if these other bodies are turning up in places where they haven't been or where they haven't dumped any, they know that there's got to be another serial killer out there. And perhaps, and I'm not saying it's true, what if they were communicating in the newspapers? Because I, I've seen that happen I've before seen that too. Happen, but I don't think with these three, they'd have that. And uh, well, t- maybe not Kearney, but the other two. I don't even think with them, and, and, and here's why. <coughs> Number one, I, I'm going to have to chase that rabbit hole, that, down a rabbit hole of almost like that competition thing. I don't think that Kearney was in competition. Well, see, I don't think Kearney had anything to do with it either. But You know what would make sense is... If Kraft and Bonin did. If Kraft and Bonin had seen maybe the first victims of Kearney. Oh, yeah. And said, hey, wait a minute. These are being found around the freeways. What if? You know, because I like the same kind of victim profile. Right. Maybe that was kind of it right there. Because if you think about it, because none of these guys, none of our three killers are stupid. No, none of them are. That is something they all share in common. And that is something I actually appreciate Mm -hmm. a lot with. Kearney, who I think is smarter than all of them. Yeah. Um, Kraft and Bonin. But I'm, I'm partial to Kearney. Yeah. I'm very partial to him. Uh, matter of fact, I wrote him a letter. Yes. And I'm hoping, hoping, if he just simply even responds to say fuck off, I will be tickled. Yeah. Because uh, for serial killers, I, I have an appreciation for how he went about his thing. Yes. With no torture, no suffering. Right. Quick and easy. I'm betting that 99% of the time. They didn't even know that they, yeah, they were in danger. Yeah. And it was, boom, it was quick. It wasn't like they they didn't have to live any fear. Right. Anything like that for the vast majority of it. Right. So I can appreciate that. Unlike Kraft and Bonin. Who fed off that fear. Yeah. That was their main thing was. The fear aspect of mm-hmm. it, the torture aspect of right. it, um, and and going that extra mile, like with Kraft, with um, you know shoving a sock down throats and up asses to keep them from purging in his car. Which I understand, you don't want nobody to purge in your Mustang. Okay, okay, I understand that, but still, the pure methodical violence of it, yeah, is is is, is a bit much to stomach. Yeah. You know, um, it was just a bit much. And then when I got to Bonin and the pool cue, that, that one affected me quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Quite, quite a bit. And yeah, then, because you know it had to be been a traumatic and very torturous that he died of shock. Because I've been in shock before. 
you know, after a car accident or whatever, you know, you have that. We haven't really dawned on you what's going on yet. I've been in shock when I've seen my bill from the IRS after my accountants get back to me. Anyways. I damn near died from that shit. You know what I mean, though? It's <laughs> yeah. like. No, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like because you're in shock. You haven't really, like, comprehended the the um, impact of it. You know, what's really happened. But right. to die from that means that, you know, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Right, right, right. But, um, yeah, it's just, I couldn't imagine what these people were going through. But, yeah, no, I was just like, because, like I said, when you were bringing it up and stuff, it's like, you know what? They had to have known about each other indirectly. Right. That's correct. I mean, so, so yeah, I, I'm kind of liking your theory on this already. I we're going to have to research this one a little bit deeper to kind of come up with different we're theories like that. We're going to have to. Because I'm still, I'm over here just in shock. Not from a pull cue. That I was smart enough to pick that up or that, that it was even that it's even a possibility. Yeah, that was even a possibility that never because and, and this is where I fail sometimes is that sometimes I look at similar serial killers as individuals. Yeah. So I looked at Patrick Kearney like an individual. Right. And then I looked at Kraft like an individual and same with Bonin. Right. I never once thought that even though they're all similar, it never crossed my mind to sit down and go, why? Why are they similar? Is it the access to all the freeways? Right, because there's a shit ton of freeways. In L.A., it's all freeway. In yeah. Orange County and all that good stuff. Right. Um, or is it something more? Right. You know, so there's a, yeah. Wow. Fucking kudos on that one. All right, let's wrap this one up so we can get to part two next week. How about that? Okay, let's do it. All right. It's been Brutal Nation. Remember that you can send us an email. Especially if you have any other theories like Tam Tam uh, or anything that might be far-fetched. Even if you think it's aliens, I don't give a shit. Shoot us a, an email at BrutalNation.cast at gmail.com. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Click on that Amazon link if you're going to shop on Amazon. It helps out the shows and doesn't cost you a damn cent extra. It's amazing. It's win-win. This win-win. And if you like blogs, check us out. We have three services that have picked up our blogs. Uh, Hub Pages, Vocal Media, and Medium. Uh, click on them. And if you're not a member of them, and you haven't subscribed to them and paying their monthly dues, do it because like, yeah. they're amazing resources. We use them constantly. Yeah, we constantly use them to like get some basic information and even to verify information. Right. And uh, I think like medium's like five bucks and I would yeah, imagine five the rest bucks of, a month. Yeah, the rest of them I think are five bucks as yeah. well. I and, think, yeah, I, I can't remember what vocal is, but it's not that much. Right. And uh, they got uh, articles on there from everything from hunting to serial killers to vaping to guitars. You name it. Everything. It is on there. So it's, it's even fact fiction, all that. Right. Fan fiction. Yeah. Um, there's like a novelist on there who are writing books. Yes. Uh, all that good stuff. <laughs> so you get, you, you, it's your best bang for the buck, honestly, if, you, if you're into reading. This show's copyrighted 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. And guess what, boys and girls? We're going to talk to you guys later on because I love you. Tammy doesn't love anybody. I love you. Not you. My fans. You have no fans. They're all mine because I'm fabulous.
<laughs> and like your, your son even you're said, you're riding on my coattail. Shut up. No, your son even Dude, said, I should not have told you. I that I that. was funny. And then you said, I'm funny too. And he's like, um, no. And walked the fuck away. Yeah, he it was goes, great. Yeah, you go, he goes, it's funny. I said, yeah, we're kind of funny, aren't we? He goes, well, Scott is. And I'm like, <laughs> you, dude. <laughs> Bullfrog, you're my hero. Mm-hmm. All righty. We're going to let you guys go. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.